can do it. Let's go. Hello, everybody. My name is Dustin Pischel, and in today's episode of The Chatting Comedian, I chat with John Glazer. John is a stand-up comedian, producer, actor, writer, and director. John is the creator and star of three TV shows, which consist of the Adult Swim TV show, Delocated, the adult, another Adult Swim TV show, Neon Joe, Werewolf Hunter, and the True TV... Yeah. What? In the true TV show, John Glazer loves gear, and all three of those TV shows are streaming on Hulu. As an actor, John has appeared on hit TV shows such as Kirby Enthusiasm, Bob's Burgers, Girls, Mr. Robot, Archer, Louie, 30 Rock, Saturday Night Live, among many other TV shows. John is also a recurring character on the hit TV show Parks and Recreation. John was also a writer and sketch performer on the TV shows Late Night with Conan O'Brien, The Jenny McCarthy Show, and The Dana Carvey Show. John has also appeared in hit movies such as Sisters, Trainwreck, The Dictator, Hustlers, among many other movies. John is also a five-time Emmy nominee. John is also the creator and star of the Comedy Central web series Tiny Hands. Please welcome the amazing comedy legend, John Glazer. Listening. Yeah. So I start off every episode by asking the comedian, what's the worst heckler you have ever had? Ooh, that's a good one to start with. The worst heckler I've ever had. Um, you know, I don't do a lot of traditional stand-up, mm-hmm. so I don't really, you know, like, I'm not a touring comedian, I yeah. don't do a lot of comedy clubs, but I do shows, you know, I've never loved the phrase alternative comedy, but it is mm-hmm. a thing where, you know, lots of comedians like myself that like to perform, you know, we it, it's not traditional stand-up and it's not mm-hmm. done at traditional clubs. It's more at like yeah. bars or different types of venues. Mm-hmm. And the crowds are usually a little more forgiving and less mm-hmm. jerky yeah. than stand-up. So there's not as many hecklers going on, but mm-hmm. it's happened. And... Um, Probably the most annoying one was just I was doing some bit, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of comedians like myself yeah. call our comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll do a bit, which is more yeah. like a sketch, but it's not a sketch. Yeah. And I was doing one, and some lady, I think she was drunk, she just kept yelling out, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And I was in character, and so I just decided I'm not going to engage mm-hmm. this lady, and I'm just going to keep plowing ahead. And then the guy that was hosting, who's a comedian named Todd Glass, I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Yeah, I have. Super funny guy, Mm -hmm. really hilarious. He came on when I was done. And, you know, that's the kind of thing Mm -hmm. I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't, like, if someone wants to be annoying. And usually, depending on the show, I will engage. But in this Mm -hmm. one, I decided not to. And he came up and just eviscerated her. It was so funny. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. And it was, oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. That was probably the most annoying one. Yeah. And then another one that comes to mind is some lady, um, you know, she wasn't heckling, but she kept mm-hmm. talking, and she thought she was helping. I think yeah. a lot of these hecklers sometimes will think they're they're helping you with the bit, and they're mm-hmm. not. Yeah. I, like, so, the thing is, like, you, I have, so in my podcast, like, I hear such variety of different heckler stories. I've heard people actually get guns, like, I've had about 40 comedians on. I think three gun incidents, one with Rich Schneider, um, Eric Escobar, and there was this one other guy who got gun. And and then there were other stories about people trying to attack people and then people attacking each other. Like, like, two times the KKK has pulled up to the show. (laughs) I just find that crazy. Like, where are you even performing? Like Alabama or something? That's just crazy. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You know, because I don't do a lot of, or really any touring, and I, you know, Mm -hmm. where I'm going to do shows is not going to be all across the country. Mm -hmm. Lots of people that are touring comedians, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. their job. That's their main job is touring the country Mm -hmm. and doing all sorts of clubs. And you talk to a lot of people. Like, I couldn't even imagine what that's like, quite honestly, going down to the deep south and trying to do a specific brand of comedy, especially. Yeah. And let me just 
pivot for a second and ask you, so are you looking, like, do you want to be a stand-up, or you yeah. just like comedy and are, you're looking to interview people? Like, what is your mm -hmm. pursuit? Are you looking to eventually try stand-up? Have you tried it? What's What are you thinking? I've tried it. Um, I've been doing it for about 14 months now. I really enjoy it. Barry Katz is a fan of mine. Uh, I want to... I want to do when I'm older a lot of like what you do. I admire you a lot. I want to do a lot of like writing for sketch, like late night TV shows and sketch shows. Um, I got into writing monologues and I also want to perform stand up comedy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing all the mm -hmm. right things so far. Mm -hmm. It's just about yeah. doing it. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, it's not worrying about is this good? It's like mm -hmm. you just have to go up and try stuff. And, you know, the more you do it, the more you figure out mm -hmm. who you are as a comedian and your voice and all that. And, you know, it just takes a long time and you're getting an early start. Yeah. I always like, so you do more like, you don't like to call alternative comedy, but you do a lot of, um, alter well, basic, sort of alternative comedy. And like, I like, I've always like, I don't know if I'd say mine is, but like, I've always had a fascination like with comedians and a respect for like, Comedians like yourself, Gilbert Gottfried, Lavelle Crawford, um, I forget what his name is, that guy that went on The Tonight Show and he just, like, read the, um, a phone book in a funny voice and, like, like, he Andy did that, Kaufman? oh, yeah, Andy Kaufman, I think, I think it was, like, on The Tonight it? Show, like, at its peak when they averaged, like, 25 million viewers, I have a lot of respect for you guys, because you guys can make a laugh of, like, something big and then like something like so small like a um like a little change in your voice or something yeah i you know I, that's the thing that i like mm -hmm. you know that is the kind of performing that i enjoy because mm -hmm. it's and it's you know i i still like traditional mm -hmm. stand-up i love watching good stand-up mm -hmm. comedians that's a true art form in and of itself it's just not what i the, it's just not the kind of comedy yeah. that i do not necessarily and yeah, I, I really enjoy more of a performance type, uh, con conceptual type comedy where it's less joke driven and more about the overall performance. And it still has jokes yeah. and it's still funny, but it's not set up punchline. You know, Andy yeah. Kaufman is a hero to a great many people and he is probably one of the number one all time comedic geniuses just for his mm -hmm. different take on things. and. You know, and not everyone can do that. You can't just go up and do whatever you want. It's funny. It's got to be smart and thoughtful. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's just the kind of comedy I like. Yeah. If that's what you're gravitating towards, yeah. I think that's exciting. Yeah, I like read well, this. You should go on stage and you should go on stage and just do like a set while mm -hmm. punching your heavy bag. <laughs> I would think that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Tell jokes while you're punching the bag. Maybe even like have your one of your parents take you and they could like hold the bag <laughs> for you or do like the, the mix, like the boxing mix. Uh -huh. That would crack me up. Yeah, I think my parents are too old for that, but I think I can get someone else. <laughs> yeah. I hope you didn't just insult your parents. <laughs> yeah, so they're like, uh, what was I going to say? I know, like, Bob Nelson. He does, like, a lot of, like, I think, like, he's done something like that on stage once. Like, he would put something, like, a boxer outfit on, on, on stage and stuff like that. Yeah, that always, that's, that's my, I enjoy that style of comedy where you're thinking of a bit yeah. and you're doing it like that. Yeah, that sounds pretty funny. More of that alternative comedy, like Steve Martin's take on it was like, it's sort of like you create tension, but instead like the punchline is where you release the tension, uh, you create an expectation and then you shatter the expectation. But what he said was like, yeah. you create tension, then sort of like the surprising thing is that you never release it. It just keeps going, keeps That's going. Very, and the tension has nowhere yeah, to go, so people laugh. That's a very good way of articulating. Yeah. I'm, all, I, I'm always really terrible at articulating. <laughs> oh, geez, hold on. The doorbell rang. I think that might be my son, but I'm okay. going to just check. This will be a funny okay. part of the podcast that people... <laughs> now, is this video? Are you recording this, or is this going to be an audio podcast? Um, This is just an audio podcast. Got it. So people will have to, uh, hold on, that, people have to listen. So I'm writing my yeah. son, that you at the door? Okay. Question mark? And if it's not, I don't know who it is then. If it's my wife, 
like I may have to go get the door, but if, if okay. it's on here, you can obviously just pause it. Okay. Let's just see. I'm going to keep talking. Okay, see. Or if it's like a yeah. package, they'll just yeah. leave it. So, um. Or I could, oh, <laughs> uh, it is him. Yes. Yeah. Got keys? Question mark. Like, see, this is already, <laughs> this is already bit. Like, I would, if I was in an audience and I was watching an interview and then all of a sudden it got interrupted by someone's son yeah. knocking, I would find that funny personally. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see if he's got keys. If he does, he can just let himself in. Okay. I'm doing a podcast right now with, and I'm just going to say with Dustin. <laughs> and then hopefully he'll say, who's Dustin? <laughs> I'm going to, and then I'll see, I'll go from there. I'm doing a podcast with, oh, I put a question mark. I'm doing a podcast with Dustin? <laughs> That makes it a big difference. I'm gonna write him now. Oops, didn't mean to put a question mark. Put a question mark. I know exactly who it is. <laughs> I know it's, I'm gonna say, I know it's Dustin. Okay. Uh-oh, the doorbell just rang again. You know, it'd be funny, I can take, I can take my laptop with me and we mm-hmm. can keep talking while I get the door. Okay. Which also, yeah. could be pretty funny. <laughs> but let's yeah. just keep talking. Listen, yeah. my son, like he can wait at the door for a few <laughs> minutes. I'm not going to rush in the middle of my of yeah. doing this interview to go get the door. So keep <laughs> okay. talking. Yeah, I I find it crazy how some people text each other like like just the crazy things. Like they my friend, she um posts these things on Snapchat of like messages she has with people, and it's just the most crazy offensive like shit ever and i just find it hilarious <laughs> well you know you're it's it's oh my god wait now you know what i'm gonna do he keeps ringing the bell <laughs> now i'm gonna call him speaker oh jeez, maybe it's nope he's got to look at his phone he's got to be <laughs> responsible for yeah. taking a look i just read that you at the door got keys uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting for me as an mm-hmm. old person, speaking of old, yeah. you know, to talk to someone mm-hmm. like yourself. Yeah. Because you're like, uh, how old did you say you are? 13. 13. Like, yeah. my son is 15 and my daughter's mm-hmm. about to turn 10. So I have kids mm-hmm. kind of your age. And, yeah. You know, your children that are growing up in the age of digital and social media. Yeah. You know, I didn't have that when I was a kid. So the whole idea of just snapchat and people mm-hmm. posting everything yeah is so i get it i get why people do mm-hmm. it and it's fun but sometimes i feel like people can overshare i know and post too much where it's just not every moment in life is meant for public yeah knowledge and, and sharing with the world it's just yeah. i don't know it's something i was just talking to a friend of mine who's also a dad mm-hmm. um a dad in comedy and we mm-hmm. both feel like we're, we're becoming grandpas mm-hmm. as far as feeling like, ah, oh, these kids these days with their Snapchats and their, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, we're cranky old men. They just don't get yeah. it. I get it, but I have no interest in doing like mm-hmm. it full on. Yeah. It just gets too annoying to me. So like what you're saying, you got a friend that's like posting screen grabs over text. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. I know. Unless it's something super specific and funny. All right. Mm-hmm. He keeps ringing the door. Okay. I'm unplugging my laptop, and I'm going to take my laptop down the stairs mm-hmm. and answer the door. And then I'm going to be, I'm going to pretend to be mad at him. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how he reacts. And I'm going to say, what are you, what's you, what's wrong with you? Check your phone. I'm on with Dustin. How many rooms do you have? You just went through like eight rooms. We, it's, that, that was our upstairs. This is mm-hmm. the first apartment in new york i've lived in that actually has more than one floor yeah it's nice to actually have space yeah have you heard about the world's narrowest appointment in new york oh, city oh. did you not get my text i'm on with <laughs> oh all right come on in <laughs> i told you i'm on with dustin <laughs> it's very important he's 13 <laughs> I'm just kidding, Nate. Don't look mad. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> My son is in. He's fine. His phone died. 
keys, I guess. Yeah. It's all good. What were we just talking about? Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, um, we have, I, I've never lived in a New York yeah. apartment that has more than one floor. And I've got to mm -hmm. tell you, it's, it's, you know, I've always had uh, a love-hate relationship with New York. Yeah. It's a great city, obviously. I'm not from here. Mm -hmm. um, from Michigan originally, but mm -hmm. I've lived in New York almost as long as I lived in Michigan. Might be close if it's not tied. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, as great as it is, especially for what I get mm -hmm. to do for a living, it can be really tough, mm -hmm. certainly. And uh, living in a tiny apartment with two children and now a yeah. dog yeah. can be really tough, especially during COVID. But now we we just moved into this new place. Mm -hmm. You know, we rent, but it's a great, it's got space. So, yeah. yes, we, I went from this upstairs room to the upstairs hallway, down the mm -hmm. stairs to the entranceway, and now I'm back up. Yeah. And I'm winded. Yeah, it's crazy seeing these, like, I've seen these apartment tours, like, in, uh, like, on YouTube of, like, these New York City apartments. And, like, this $3 million for, like, uh, like a three-bedroom house, and it's, like, come on like the other stuff like you can get in texas like a lot of times like they're in the middle of nowhere but you can still like i mean maybe if you get one in like somewhere in california like not los angeles but like i don't know um santa barbara you can get a nice house there for three million santa barbara is pretty yeah. nice that's a that's a nice town mm -hmm. but yeah you're right like that's the thing, and I think about that all the time, but then you're living in Texas somewhere, and if you're, it depends on what you want to do, like if that's your life. Yeah. I'm not knocking my wife from Texas, mm -hmm. and Texas has very, you know, there's some beautiful country in Texas, mm -hmm. but then you're, you know, if, 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 if you're a comedian, mm -hmm. it may, you may not enjoy that, or if you're the type of person that wants more, you mm -hmm. may not want to live somewhere like that. Like, for me, I could not live most likely anywhere except New York or L.A., unless I was filthy, filthy rich, mm -hmm. uh, which sadly mm -hmm. I'm not, in which case I would love to live in the country. Like, I live near Prospect Park, mm -hmm. and I'm in there now with the dog every day. I was in there a lot anyway. I do a lot of trail running. I do a lot of gravel riding on my bike, and I need the outdoors, and I need quiet and space. So New York has taken its toll. Sure. Yeah, I, I disagree with you. I would love, like, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd say New York because, like, there are too many brick buildings and that's like, and like, yeah. there's just smoke coming out of them. Like, it never, like, even if there is blue sky, you can't even see it with all the buildings up there. Like, there's, LA, there's a bit more space and it looks like a bit more outdoorsy. But yeah, I think I'd prefer prefer LA. You know, LA is pretty great. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, everyone could, it's easy to complain about like, oh, LA, it's Hollywood, it's annoying. And it mm -hmm. is, but it's really beautiful out there. You yeah. know, I just happened to have made a choice to stay in New York and it worked out for me as far mm -hmm. as, you know, I was at Conan for a long time and then I was mm -hmm. lucky to get to do a few shows here. Mm -hmm. And then having kids and by the time we were at a stage of like, should we move? Mm -hmm. It just felt like we were past that point. Um, but LA is great. Mm -hmm. I will also say this though, like I moved out to Brooklyn 13 mm -hmm. years ago and it's, it's much different than living in the city. You don't mm -hmm. feel that congestion. You don't feel all the big buildings mm -hmm. and where I live is near Prospect Park. So you, you can have a pretty outdoorsy life in New York mm -hmm. and then it's easy to get out of the city and go upstate. So it's not yeah. bad, but if you're from Massachusetts and you want to change your pace when you get older, yeah. Then you can move to LA, but you know, by the time you're older, who knows what's going to be going on with showbiz, like yeah. COVID and clubs and blah 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 blah. But don't worry about that right now. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about. It. Don't get too far ahead of the game. Just enjoy now. Hit, hit the heavy bag. Yeah. Something I find crazy. I was talking to Chad Zumok. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Once, and he said that there's going to be a lot of like comedy, like that. There's supposed to be a comedy boom in like Florida. It's growing. And, like, it's going to be, like, the new L.A., and I just find that crazy. I mean, sort of. that's well, an interesting thought. I, I wouldn't know, again, like, I, I don't know mm -hmm. the stand-up scene, but yeah. who knows? Like, now mm -hmm. with COVID and things being so different, I'm curious to see what effect that'll have on mm -hmm. clubs, and maybe there will be some kind of, you know, like, Atlanta became a really big city for filmmaking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's... 
it's not just New York or LA anymore. There's lots, lots of places to make yeah. things happen. And also with what even what we're doing right now, you know, yeah. people are, there's a guy, do you know who Kyle Dunnigan is? Yeah. He's super funny and he's mm-hmm. just doing a ton of stuff from his home. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't, I have never talked to him specifically, but I think he's got tons of followers and he must have a YouTube page where yeah. he's generating income. And he's able to just do his own thing, and it's super funny. I mean, he, I think he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's really talented, and, he, and it's pretty low budget where you mm-hmm. don't have to make it fancy, uh, and you don't need a lot of, you know, you can just use it with your laptop and mm-hmm. these apps, and I don't know, he's doing that, and that's just, there's going to be different ways of doing things, so who knows? Yeah, he has that like... me saying a whole lot of nothing. He has like 100, I think he has 140,000 Instagram followers something crazy it might like even that. be way more it's, yeah. he's got tons of followers and he's yeah. just constantly churning out mm-hmm. comedy bits and yeah. i don't know for sure but i think he's got you know like a youtube page where you can actually pay to watch it and mm-hmm. you know that's the, the nice thing about that if you can do that is mm-hmm. you're not beholden to a network and you're keeping all your money and you're not paying a commission mm-hmm. to anyone and yeah. to self to generate all yourself is a pretty smart way to mm-hmm. go and that's at least an option for people right now especially young people coming up where you can you don't have to wait for a network to give you a show you can just go do your own thing now what are you doing is different than making a yeah. big show that's a little more involved mm-hmm. but there are more options nowadays yeah so you um started in improv and like uh did you like start in second city or anything like that at all yeah yeah, I, I lived in Chicago for about four and a half years, and that was always a really big dream of mine was to to do Second City, and I got lucky mm-hmm. to get hired there. You know, it took a few auditions, but yeah, I moved to Chicago after college mm-hmm. um, and had a really profound experience where I met this legendary producer um, named Joyce Sloan, mm-hmm. who's no longer alive, but she was a major major player in the chicago improv and theater and just the cultural scene she Mm -hmm. was a really incredible person and she was really encouraging to me when my uh, my first audition Mm -hmm. and this is when i was still in college and that pretty much solidified like all right i'm moving to chicago and giving it a try Mm -hmm. took classes there and about a year and a half later got hired for the touring company and did that for about a year and a half and then got on the main stage and did a main stage show yeah i want to start doing second City, uh, sorry as about laughing, I, I recognized your headphones, they sort of look like, together with your hat, they sort of look, I don't know, like a monkey hat, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, so, yeah, I, yeah, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to look and see what it reminds me of, it's kind of reminding me of the guy in, uh, I mean, it's not the same look, but the guy in Empire Strikes Back, yeah, you know, are you a Star Wars fan? Uh, I was, like, I used to be a fan into, like, Star Wars, Marvel, like, from first to third grade. Then I just stopped. So not anymore. There was a character, and I don't know what his name is, in Empire Strikes Back. Like, Lando Calrissian's mm-hmm. right-hand man. He's got that, like, mm-hmm. looks like some kind of, like, head, I think it was a headband. It's digital, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't talk mm-hmm. anyway. It doesn't look <laughs> yeah. like that at all now that I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Say this, though. Good headphones. So, I'm going to start, really like, good. taking in December some online classes at Second City for writing for television. So, and oh, cool. see where that takes me. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's the cool thing. Like, you know... Mm-hmm. Living in New York, I was, you know, I was mm-hmm. here during this really cool time where, there, you know, besides the Second City, you know, there was mm-hmm. the Upright Citizens Brigade. They started mm-hmm. this, you know, massive theater complex, and they had mm-hmm. t- people doing classes. And then a guy named Ali Farinakian, who was an original member of the Upright Citizens Brigade back in Chicago, started his mm-hmm. own theater here called The Pit, the People's Improv Theater. And mm-hmm. sadly, they're both closed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure they're both doing online classes still and you can still like do these classes and Mm -hmm. talk to people that have had that experience and learn a lot about what it takes to do those jobs and how you get them and submitting and putting together a packet that's Mm -hmm. good that you're doing that i mean that's like when i was in chicago one of the first things i did before i even got hired at second city was just i just went and saw shows 
I just mm -hmm. wanted to see as many shows as I could just to see what else is out there besides Second City. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started learning about places like Improv Olympic, uh, which is another mm -hmm. COVID casualty. But that place was there for years. And that's where the UCB came from. They came mm -hmm. from Improv Olympic, which is more long form improv led by this woman, uh, Sharna Halpern, and a guy mm -hmm. named Del Close, who was the this legendary improv guru. And they taught mm -hmm. this long, oh, there's my dog. And they taught this long form of improv called the Herald. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> if my dog starts, he's <laughs> chewing on his bone. Yeah. Like part of me feels like I can, I can take it away from him, but I think part of me feels like this would be just funny yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and you're mm -hmm. just hearing this in the background, yeah. that that would make me laugh. I've like never heard like a like I I don't know how, but I've never heard a dog bark in the background ever of my podcast. I don't even know how it's possible. That's probably probably most of your guests are more respectful than me. <laughs> they keep the, they keep the dog out of the room. I'm just letting him hear. Honestly, if it gets annoying, just tell me, and I'll, oh, I'll it's fine. have him go in my son's room. But this is making me laugh. Yeah. Personally, if I was listening to this, mm -hmm. this medium's been upgraded by the host and now includes unlimited minutes. All right. Yeah. I'd like, I hear, like, um, a, last year, like, when we were doing, like, um, classes through Zoom, I remember, like, I, I didn't, like, really, like, I, I saw, like, there was some weird stuff, like, that you saw people doing in their house like like i think i have some ptsd sure yeah i think we all have ptsd <laughs> from this past year you know my yeah. kids like doing school on zoom was awful like there's no there's no way around it it's not a good experience it's not mm -hmm. a natural way for people to exist mm -hmm. and uh I, I know my kids are happy to be in school yeah. we're happy they're in school like that's just what a tough year it was. How was it for you? Uh, it, it was, like, it was on and off. Sometimes I enjoyed it because, like, I could, like, a lot of times I enjoyed it, like, when the school, like, I got dismissed because I got dismissed, like, twice because I was a close contact. And, like, during those two days where you couldn't get tested or you had to wait, oh, my God, I loved those. Like, because, like, you attended class, sort of, but, like, it was just so fun because, like, I would just, like, sit in the class, like, a lot of times, like, we would, like, and I would just simultaneously, like, while we were learning, I would just, like, write jokes for, like, two hours a day, and each day I'd come out with this, like, new three-minute-long bit. <laughs> That's awesome. I love, yeah. I like that you were taking advantage of that time to work yeah. on your comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. I'm not going to tell someone's kid, don't go to school, because I do think it's important. But, yeah. you know, at some point, school, it depends on what you want to do for a living, you know. Yeah. Louis C.K., all of the controversy mm -hmm. aside about everything that he did and that happened to him, I don't think he went to college. And he's, uh, you know, he was a brilliant comedian, yeah. super funny, and he kind of did his own thing and made his own way and had this unfortunate yeah. outcome at the end. But whatever, you know. Yeah. Strictly speaking about his comedy, here's a guy that just started doing it, I think, at a pretty young age as well, and was doing his own thing. His voice mm -hmm. is, was his very unique, and he was really smart and able to do a lot mm -hmm. of cool things. So Yeah. Uh, I fully support that if you're yeah. just, like, doing a Zoom mm -hmm. and, like, hey, I'm going to work on some jokes right now. Yeah. So, uh, I remember, yeah, like, him and Bill Cosby, they, like, they both did terrible things. But besides from that, like, they're just, like, comedic geniuses. For yeah. sure. It's, it becomes tricky when you're, you know, and, and I've had that conversation as I've had many people mm -hmm. with people like Louie and Bill Cosby, mm -hmm. you know, can you separate the artist from the, you know, the art from the person? Mm -hmm. Can you still enjoy their comedy knowing they were these types of people? You know, it becomes pretty tricky. Yeah. But you cannot, you know, you cannot argue against their comedic genius. It just well, highly, highly unfortunate when you hear these other stories. I think that, like, like, I wouldn't, like, just not watch, like, I, I think I would be, I don't know if I'd watch a movie that, like, Bill Cosby started in as something, or, like, Louis C.K., but, like, you, I mentioned in your uh, bio that you appeared in Louis, like, 
just because like he's a bad person doesn't mean that that's an incredible accomplishment so i still included it in the bio yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with listing a credit that's not mm -hmm. something i would personally shy away yeah. from like at the time it was a great show and mm -hmm. i was really happy to be in it and you know he and i worked together and uh and it was really fun to do mm -hmm. um it just you know it taints it when you, you know it's like listening to michael jackson like yeah. i still have a bunch of his songs on my my phone or my ipod and mm -hmm. you know i still enjoy them but it's just got this quality where it's like this is kind of weird is it okay to enjoy this and, yeah you know, I, 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 I haven't taken those songs off, but yeah. it's just part of it, it's a, unfortunately. It's but. a guilty pleasure, like, you know, like, taking a shower in lukewarm water. <laughs> I don't know. Why, I just feel like Sometimes that's that so great. evil, yeah. yeah. in the summertime when you're hot, yeah. I don't want a hot shower. Lukewarm sounds yeah. perfect. So, um, <laughs> you, um... What so you've done a lot of acting and starring in TV shows. So what are some of your craziest on set stories? Crazy on set stories. Let me think if uh, I can if one pops to mm -hmm. mind right away. Uh, I don't know when I hear the word crazy, I'm like mm -hmm. trying to think of something goofy that happened or like something mm -hmm. silly or weird. Oh man, what's a good one? I know this sounds. I should have these like at the yeah. ready, but have you ever been attacked on set? Because I actually have had an interview with um Brian Scolero, and he was talking about the time. Like I think it was the, I I don't want to say who it was in Boy Meets Girl, or Girl Meets World, or whatever, because I don't know exactly who it was. All I know is this guy, and I don't want to make any assumptions because I don't know who it was. But they punched him. They punched him in the f face because Brian was guest starring in an episode, and he was getting all the laughs. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's terrible. That sounds like a crazy person that he was mm -hmm. working with. Yeah, I don't know that way. I mean, that makes me think of one where I was. Um, yeah, like crazy to me almost sounds like, oh, something terrible happened or almost mm -hmm. happened. I mean, you saying that someone got attacked. I've never mm -hmm. been attacked, but I had a close call where when I was doing my show Delocated, mm -hmm. um, which was about the guy in the witness protection mm -hmm. program, and I had to wear a ski mask, and I did a lot of live shows as that character, and they were all really mm -hmm. fun. Um, and it was a really fun character to do, and there's these guys that I'm friends with in New York. They mm -hmm. were in a band called Cheeseburger which is a really hilariously dumb name for a band, but yeah. they were great. They were like ACDC meets the Stooges kind of a mm -hmm. band, if those, if you like those kinds of bands. Yeah. Um, really good, really fun. And they did a show one night and asked me to sing with them as my character. Mm -hmm. And so I did, and it was a great time. And we had this guy named Steve Service who played the like muscly yeah. Russian tough guy in Delocated. Mm -hmm. And he came to the show and he came up like and sang a song with me on stage mm -hmm. as his character. And it was really silly. And then some guy came on stage mm -hmm. and he was super drunk. Mm -hmm. And he knew the guys in the band. So I wasn't mm -hmm. worried because they were like, oh, and, but he was trying to take the microphone from me. And I thought he was just being funny. So I'm <laughs> trying to grab the mic back. And that's when I realized, oh, this guy is super drunk and strong. Yeah. And he swung an elbow oh at me that thankfully missed. And that's when the bouncers like came up and hustled him off stage and got him out of there. And it was, now it's just a funny story, but yeah. if he had, this is a big, strong yeah. dude. If he, had, if he had connected, it would have, could have like knocked me out. It was know, a yeah. little bit scary. And he's like their buddy and they were all so like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He was just, he was so drunk, which doesn't excuse it, but yeah. That was a pretty crazy one. And then the other one that comes to mind for me, and this is really crazy, but in my mind it was, when we were doing Delocated, we, we, for this one episode, there's a sequence where I tap dance from New York to Maine. It was this really dumb mm -hmm. episode where I'm like, I, and, I, and I had my brother in, my, in the show, my yeah. character's brother had died, uh -oh. and I have his ashes in an urn and I put the urn in a baby Bjorn, <laughs> and, and I'm tap dancing his ashes 
from New York to Maine. Yeah. And we did all these great shots. That was one of the my, my favorite episodes to shoot because it was we got to get out of the city and it was the most cinematic. Like we shot upstate, we shot in the city, and we did this really cool shot on the George Washington Bridge, which basically goes over the Hudson River and links New Jersey to New York. It's a major, major throughway on this massive bridge. And we got to do a shot on the bridge with a helicopter. Now this is like Adult Swim is super low budget, so this was mm -hmm. a really big deal for us to get the money to do a helicopter mm -hmm. shot, to get this really, really kick-ass shot, and it was really fun. Mm -hmm. And we had, you know, the, we had a permit. The police were aware of it, um, mm -hmm. but we were doing it at eight in the morning. It's rush hour, yeah. and there's just bumper to bumper traffic. And here's me on the pedestrian side of the bridge on the walkway. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing a ski mask. <laughs> I have this big device <laughs> strapped to my chest. Um, and we were shooting in a way where there's no visible camera crew mm -hmm. that you would go, oh, they're making a movie. So if you were in traffic and yeah. you looked over, you would have <laughs> just seen a guy in a ski mask with a big device strapped to his chest. It might have been easy to think, um, is this a terrorist? Yeah. And I was so nervous that someone was going to call the police and say, oh my God, there's a guy on the bridge, he's in a ski mask, yeah. and there's a there's a big thing strapped to his chest. Mm -hmm. And I just kept waiting for a police helicopter to show up, and it was going to be like, shoot first, ask questions later. I kept thinking, mm -hmm. is this how I'm going to die? Mm -hmm. Am I yeah. going to die making this stupid TV show <laughs> with the goofy shot on the bridge? And it never happened, but I, I yeah. was stressing about it for sure. And it was truly hilarious and funny to to do that and get to make that shot but i kept thinking well if this is how i die i guess it's a pretty good way to go it's a good story for my kids yeah you die holding a dead person so <laughs> um yeah a fake a fake dead person yeah so um what was your so what was it like being what was the experience like being a writer and sketch performer on late night with conan o'brien that was really uh, one of the greatest jobs. You know, having my own shows, that's tough to beat, but outside of my own shows, that was my favorite. I mean, it was just, at the time, it was a dream job, and it was similar to Second City, where it took me a few times to get hired. You know, I submitted a writer's packet, got interviewed, didn't get hired. The next time they were hiring, I got interviewed again, didn't get hired, and the third time I got hired. And it was just the greatest. Like, that was a perfect job for me yeah. as an individual and as a performer because mm -hmm. you got to do both writing and performing, uh, which for me, and I could write, I could perform my own stuff. And mm -hmm. certainly there was plenty of writing for Conan, but just the nature of the show, because it was a daily show and just the volume mm -hmm. of it, there was, and they, they hired a lot of writer performers. Mm -hmm. And so for me, because I had actually auditioned for Saturday Night Live. Yeah and didn't get it, which at the time was disappointing, but then when I got the Conan job, it was one of those moments where I realized, oh, the thing that I actually wanted was not as good as this thing. Yeah. And by not getting this, that allowed me to get the thing that is actually the better fit. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just, I'm so grateful in a way, looking back, that I didn't get hired at Saturday Night Live, yeah. as weird as that might sound. So it was the best, just a great job, a lot of great people, you know, I'm friends with a lot of those guys to this day and will be forever. And uh, it, it was one of the greatest jobs. And, you know, if you're looking to do that type of job, mm -hmm. that's about as good as you can get, at least for yeah. me, as far as comedic sensibility, the people that work there. Because mm -hmm. the reality is, if you want to be a comedy writer, you're not always going to get the job you want. Yeah. A lot of times it might you might be working tons of jobs that are more just uh, this one's a job, this is some money right now, I can do health insurance, yeah. which is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky and have just all great jobs. But most people, you have to kind of go through a little of both. You have, yeah. You'll have the great jobs, you'll have the not-so-great jobs, and sometimes it takes a while to get to that place where you can be a little more selective. Mm -hmm. and, but Conan was the best. What a great, yeah. great job that was, and a great, just mm -hmm. great experience. So, like, for... Um, like, 
the it it's like every a few decades like there's that great like the greatest like of that generation's um um like talk show hosts well comedic talk show hosts and talking about like there was Johnny Carson and then David Letterman or you could argue Jay Leno and then Conan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there are the people yeah. that are good, but, like, those Go are ahead. the three, those are the four main players. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on, you know, some, there was, you know, if you really look back, there was lots mm-hmm. of other really good shows. Like, Dick Cavett did a really mm-hmm. interesting talk show, and Tom Snyder, um, um, Ernie Kovacs, like, there's lots of older stuff if you go back and really yeah. look and research older things. You'll find some pretty cool, weird shows, mm-hmm. especially Ernie Kovacs. Very legendary, influential, way ahead of his time with just strange, bizarre concepts. Mm-hmm. And early Letterman, to me, is the best. Like, yeah. he, to me, is hands down the number one um, comedy talk show interviewer. And his show was mm-hmm. massively influential on comedy writers, including Conan. Conan is certainly up there. Like, he'll go down as one of the best shows mm-hmm. in comedy talk show history, for sure. But I personally, I think Letterman was just, the, as far as an interviewer, mm-hmm. just the best. But I really feel like, uh, you know, that'll for me be forever one of the great jobs I had. And I feel fortunate that I was even there when I was there. I was there those mm-hmm. second five years, and it was still somewhat new but starting to you know gain a lot more traction and uh, it was a really good time yeah really good time Conan I love his show like especially like those times like he goes like not really well sometimes around the world but like he'll go in public I find that like with the Jordan Schlansky stuff that's funny (laughs) I mean you know, Conan is so, that's, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that's when he's his funniest. Like, when he's just yeah. off the cuff, he's mm-hmm. so brilliant. He's a really smart guy, mm-hmm. and he's super funny. And when he's just doing that and being himself, because mm-hmm. even I remember when we'd be hanging out at the office, I would always mm-hmm. think, he has to do, like, this is what he should be doing. He's just so completely hilarious. Not mm-hmm. that he's not when he's doing sketches and mm-hmm. all that, but I think he's much funnier when he's doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um because that's, that's just him yeah. really being himself. But, yeah, I mean, but just, you know, to even speak to that world of, mm-hmm. you know, alternative comedy, like, it was really great that there is a place like mm-hmm. Letterman and there was a person like Conan that gave a home to people like myself, yeah. you know, Brian McCann, Brian Stack, Tommy Blotcha, some of the other writers, performers from Conan that mm-hmm. allowed people with the similar sensibility to work and put their comedy out there. And then places like Adult Swim yeah. that gave a home to these alternative ideas that are just mm-hmm. really weird. And there's an audience yeah. for them, for all these shows and ideas mm-hmm. and performers. There just weren't that many outlets yet. This is, mm-hmm. you know, going back to like the 80s and 90s. And now with the internet and just people doing different types of shows and cable, there's more opportunities. And so, you know, with that volume comes plenty of garbage. Uh, yeah. But that's the way it always is. You know, the more options, the more crap you have to wade through to find the stuff that resonates for you. Yeah. But thankfully, it is out there. Sometimes it's really popular and in the, uh, you know, more in the zeitgeist, I guess, if that's even the right word. And sometimes you really got to find stuff, you know, yeah. especially now. You know, you go on social media going back to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is just volumes of garbage. I know. But there, there's still... Mm-hmm. plenty of really funny stuff like yeah. i'll still find someone's page where i'm like this is incredible yeah and so for someone like yourself especially mm-hmm. that's the good thing is you can just start doing things and yeah. putting it online putting it on instagram and hopefully someone like the lonely island guys do you know mm-hmm. who they are um no they you know they Andy Samberg was on Saturday Night Live. You know, they had the whole, like, um, Lazy Sunday video, Dick in the Box. They did all these, you know, they basically, they become huge now. And they do a lot of music as well. Really funny dudes. And they just started doing their own stuff. And they made a website. And eventually people got word of it. And same thing with South Park. Like, they just made a really hilariously stupid, and and when I say stupid, I mean that as a compliment. 
Yeah. It's this short animated piece. Someone saw it. It just started being shown yeah. around, and they got a deal. You know, you just you have to just make your own stuff and not yeah. wait for someone to give you the opportunity. Yeah. You also like have to be original. Like a lot of the stuff like you see on social media, even if it is funny. Like, you see that video, like, it's the same, uh, I don't even know why people, people don't even use their real voice, they're like, oh, I'm scared to use my real voice. So people, like, use other, like, people's, it's really weird, but, like, if you think something's funny, then you find that exact same, you find the original clip, well, what you think is the original clip, then you find another clip, you're like, oh, then this is, but it just, it's a lot of it's just the same regurgitated shit. It's like you yeah, can't find the original source. I agree. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot. A lot of what's out there is very derivative. You've got mm-hmm. a lot of people doing the same thing. Like, there's lots of bad trends, or yeah. there might be, and and there's there's lots of bad trends that maybe started as something really funny, mm-hmm. but then it just keeps getting watered down, and now everyone's doing it, and it's less interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just you know that's going to happen mm-hmm. no matter what. You can probably go back and make that case. Mm-hmm. You know. At any in, in any era in any decade, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's the challenge now. Is especially now with more options and more people yeah. being able to just do it. How do you stand out as mm-hmm. being original? What is even original these days? You know, you can argue that so many things have been done, and it's not easy. But that's the challenge: is yeah. how do I? You know, and and it doesn't have to be loud and bombastic. You know, Andy mm-hmm. Kaufman went on stage and read a book. You know, it can be the simplest idea yeah. can be the one that stands out. You know, it doesn't have to be because lots of stuff is just noise and it's irritating. Uh, and that's certainly something I encourage anyone getting into comedy or the arts or acting like fine. And listen, I, I do plenty of loud, bombastic, dumb stuff, but I always try to make it come from a smart place. Yeah. You know, that was something I learned in the improv world is to yeah. always play at the top of your intelligence. Okay. You know, because if you're if you're starting there, you know, like even something like Delocated, where we would make plenty of horrible jokes, mm-hmm. there was an intention behind it. You know, yeah. we didn't write those as legitimately funny jokes. We wrote those as jokes the character would think is funny. Yeah. And we're presenting this bombastic, narcissistic asshole that mm-hmm. thinks he's funny, and he's not. Yeah. You know, and that's, there's an, there's an irony to it. And... Yeah. You know, but even look at Adult Swim. Like, there's lots of just weird stuff on there. Mm-hmm. And I hate the word weird, but for lack of a better word, like, the guys, or the people, it's two two men and one uh, and a woman, uh, John Lee, Vernon Chapman, and Allison Levy, their PFFR is their company. And they, I hired them to be the production company on yeah. my shows because they're geniuses. Like, they are brilliant, brilliant people. And they made their own shows. You know, they did this show called Wonder Showsen. And if you don't know that, you have to look. You have okay. to look it up. It's a ge- really brilliant show. It's a fake kids show. It's genius. Mm-hmm. And then they did this show called Xavier Renegade Angel, which is like mm-hmm. pretty insane show. It's super mm-hmm. funny, but it is challenging. Yeah. And then they did a show called The Harshy Holler. And now mm-hmm. Allison has her own show mm-hmm. uh, called Teenage Youth in Asia, which is on Adult mm-hmm. Swim right now. And they're you know it's it, and it's some of it's live action, some of it's animated. And that's a whole other a whole yeah. other world. Like animation's become this huge thing. So that's there, there's whatever. I'm kind of all over the place, but there's plenty of options out there for like young people. It just depends on what's your interest, what do you feel like doing? Yeah. And then you figure out how do I go about doing that. Yeah. I wanna get into like um a lot of um write in for well yeah, I already mentioned this, write in for television and stand up comedy and like if like a lot of my like I, I, I'm gonna dabble, like, some in sketch performing, but if my, like, um, stand-up comedy takes off, I want to do that full-time. Yeah. So... It seems like a, mm-hmm. it's a tough way to earn a living with all the travel. Yeah. But, so is what I, what I do for a living is a tough way to make a living. Yeah. You know, the arts, whether it be comedy or mm-hmm. acting or theater, like, it's not an easy road. You've really yeah. got to go into it knowing that. Some people get lucky right away, but the, the majority of people, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of, you know, paying your dues, so to speak. And, 
mm-hmm. you know, working the jobs that aren't as great or yeah. doing, you know, and again, it's different now than from when I was younger because there was no internet. Yeah. I, you know, this is where I do start sound like a grandpa and an old man. Mm-hmm. There was no internet in my day. So it is different though. But that yeah. doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be easier. Yeah, well, like, the thing is, like, I love stand-up comedy, comedy so much. It's the way I get out my anger, the way I make myself happy. Like, I, I honestly, I don't know, like, it's sort of like, I don't know what my life would be if I didn't have it. So I sort of feel like if I leave it, I'm leaving 70% of my life away. So, Well, yeah. to kind of know at a young age that you want to do this is yeah. a good thing. Like, to have that focus... Mm-hmm. You know, because lots of people, and, and listen, you may yeah. you may continue to do this and decide it's not for you, or mm-hmm. you'll decide, here's the way I'm going to go with this, you know. But to have this pretty specific focus and to even verbalize what you just said, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what I would do without this. Yeah. That sounds like maybe you have uh, figured out at a younger age than most what you mm-hmm. do want to do. Yeah. And that'll at least be a good thing as far as giving you a focus about, mm-hmm. here's what I want to do. How do I go about doing it? Am I going to go down this road with it? Will I, you know, like what you were literally just saying, mm-hmm. am I going to do stand-up? Am I going to do acting? Am I going to pursue writing? Mm-hmm. And I'll just let you know that for myself, I never, ever thought of myself as a writer. Never even considered it. Like when I was doing Second City, it was all just, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be an actor. That was my goal. That was what I thought was going to happen. And when the Dana Carvey show came up as an opportunity, that was a particular show that I thought, all right, I can't turn this one down. This is not necessarily what I want mm-hmm. to do with my life, be a writer, but this is a cool job. I can't say yeah. no. And now when I look back on that, it's the greatest thing that ever happened mm-hmm. to me was getting a writing job and going down that road for mm-hmm. you know a long time before I got back into acting. And you know it was almost 10 years before mm-hmm. I really got back into acting of doing mostly writing jobs. Along the way came Conan, which allowed me to mm-hmm. do performing as well. But that was predominantly a writing job. And yeah. it's definitely the best thing that ever happened to me career-wise because it mm-hmm. just opens up, for me at least, many more opportunities. You know, And that included some writing jobs that I didn't love. And mm-hmm. I kind of took them just like, well, here's a job and it's some money right now. But that's something for someone like yourself to think about as mm-hmm. far as what you can do, you know, because there, there, there might be times where it's just, well, let me take this job. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not the best show, but it'll give you really experience. Cool involved. It puts some money in my pocket, mm-hmm. gives me some health insurance for a little while. Like, those are some of the mm-hmm. logistical things you might have to consider. Yeah. Maybe not, but you know, I've had some jobs that mm-hmm. weren't the best shows, but I loved the job because there was fun people working on it we had a great time just screwing around every day and you know that's equally as important as long as you've got cool people Mm -hmm. working with you and you're enjoying you're in it together and having fun that can also be good and you also might meet somebody and work with somebody at some of these jobs that you'll either become friends with or they could hire you down the road. You just never know. It's Sometimes it's good to take some of these jobs that you may not want to do for mm-hmm. other reasons besides just the comedy. You yeah. Contact, your networking. All, mm-hmm. That all sounds gross, but mm-hmm. it's just true. Like Vernon Chapman, who's one of these PFFR guys I just mentioned, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a longtime South Park writer. He mm-hmm. was working with Louie for a while. He is really one of the smartest, funniest guys you'll ever meet, ever. Mm-hmm. And I met him on this crappy writing job. And so that's a lesson right there to just sometimes just take a job when you get older or even younger, Mm -hmm. you know, just for the experience of it. Because that also might define for you, well, now I know I don't want to do that again. You know, but you also might be pleasantly surprised by just the work experience. And Mm -hmm. here's something where years later, Vernon's now doing his own shows with Mm -hmm. his partners and we all got to collaborate together for, um, you know, like five, six, seven years on three shows. Mm-hmm. And that was all because I took this one job I wasn't sure about. Mm-hmm. And I took it and I met this guy and now here we are. So there's all sorts of positives that can come from a slightly negative or yeah. not as ideal experience. 
Yeah, so, like, I feel like a lot of times, like, you don't like something, but, like, you can learn something from it, but also something, like, there's a book I have over here that I read, like, a while back ago when I was starting out in comedy, um, it's called, like, Funny on, it's, it's, I think it's, like, an older book, like, 1990s or something, but it was Funny on Purpose. <laughs> I love that that's older. <laughs> yeah. I'm such an old man. So what's the, it called? The Definitive Guide to an Unpredictable Career in Comedy. This was the first book I read on comedy. It was by Joe Randazzo. He was, he worked on Adult oh, yeah. Swim. He was an onion writer, right? Yeah. And uh, this is sort of like how I got started. It taught me about like different aspects of comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, no, this might have like, I think it's an older book, but I think it was like, re-edited because it has stuff on youtube as stuff about stand-up improv sketch tv writing directing and youtube so like ways on like how you can get a career in comedy and that's one of the things like that i think i sort of like looked through some of it uh and i think that's one of the reasons i wanted to get into like sketch stuff and like writing and stand-up yeah, I mean, listen, you're you're already, like, quoting two things. You have that Steve Martin quote, you've got this. Like, you're yeah. certainly doing all the right things. Like, to be reading books uh, and educating yourself and all the different mm-hmm. things out there is a very smart thing to be doing. Uh, I was just looking up a book that I'm going to tell you about by this woman, Sharna Halpern and Del Close. Mm-hmm. It's called Truth in Comedy, okay. the Manual of Improvisation. And that's one I'd recommend. Um okay. You know, because you can read about this guy, Del Close. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what it looks like. Oh, yeah, I comedy. recognize that. And so, you know, that's a good one that I recommend. Mm-hmm. I, I know Joe. He's a super funny yeah. guy. Um, but even, like, look at something like The Onion. Are you familiar yeah. with The Onion? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just absolute brilliance, you know. And they just started this thing. They started this fake newspaper Mm-hmm. And, you know, same thing with, like, the, the National Lampoon. Like, here's some guys in college that decided to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And those are two examples that became huge. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they, they're not sitting around waiting for someone to give them anything. They just decided, we're going to do this thing. And it starts small, and it just grows an audience and grows an audience, and it becomes mm-hmm. a thing. And then it always helps when, like, oh, so-and-so knows a famous person or this person, and yeah. they get it looked at. That's just part of it. You know, I got hired at Conan because Robert Smigel, who was the original head writer, he was at Dana Carvey, he helped get my packet looked at. Mm -hmm. You know, I still had to have a good enough packet to get hired, but that's also part of it. You know, if you, who do you know, who can help you? You know, it's part of just the world. That's no matter what you do for a living. Something Um, I've been doing a lot, like, I originally sent you a message on, like, I'm writing the advice like for stand-up comedy and like I've gotten a lot of connections through that that's how a lot I got a lot of people on my comedy like I've like I'm Facebook friends with Trey Parker and Matt Stone now which is crazy so like I've made a like a lot of connections through that and it's crazy well it's good like like even this like whenever I say as I've been saying on this thing like don't wait for someone Mm -hmm. to give you something like like you're you're literally doing that right now. You started this podcast. You're reaching out to people because of social media. You're able to do that. Now you may not get everyone that you reach out to, yeah. but a lot of people are going to respond. And mm-hmm. sometimes, it, like we had that thing where I had to cancel, and I still feel yeah. terrible about that. Oh, it's fine. But you know, if you're just putting yourself out there, if you do it enough times, you'll get responses. You know, and it mm-hmm. might it might be like, hey, you know, it might even just be a quick response. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's all you need. Like, even for myself, when I auditioned for Second City, and I didn't know anything. I didn't, you know, I hadn't done a lot of improv. I was still in college. I was so nervous. And this woman, Joyce Sloan, for her to pull me aside, like, that changed my yeah. life. Literally changed my life because it was, what am I going to do when I graduate college? Mm-hmm. I want to do Second City. Is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And for her to take that time in the middle of their auditions and just she pulled me in her office mm-hmm. she had some very kind words she's like you know you're not getting hired today 
stay in school, finish school, graduate college, but, you know, come do the classes, here's my card, I still have that card. You know, you just never know when that kind of stuff is going to yeah, keep doing your thing. <laughs> so, sorry, I was just on my phone because uh, we ran out of time on my podcast, so I'm starting the second clip, and just to thank you so very much for being a guest on my podcast. It was an honor, it was an honor and delight having you on, and... Yeah, goodbye and have a fantastic day. Dustin, it was my pleasure, man. Thanks for reaching out. I'm glad this worked, and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks. Bye. All right. All right, man. See ya. You too.